The scripture reading for today will come from John chapter 6, verses 11 through 15. And it reads, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his, to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is come into the world. Therefore, Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, and departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Thank you, Josiah. Well, it's good to see everybody again, all masked up. They tell me I look better with mine on, so they may want me to keep it on for a while. Uh, lots of good things are going on, in spite of all the fact that we can't get out, that we can't go as much because there is a lot of good things happening from God, and He is doing a tremendous amount of things around us where we're able to see His grace and realize the greatness of God as we see different things. Uh, announcements cut off last time if you were listening from home, so I'm glad you guys are here, you guys at home. Every time there's a response, we're going to cut off announcements, and so that's just kind of the explanation for that. We are talking about new elders, and so Kevin is going to have some more at the end of the service to be able to tell you about that. And so my request is that you be praying about that and that uh, you be able to pray that we will have the right leaders and that God will bless all of that. We're not stopping everything. We are keeping going, but we also do want to respect the privacy of people who come forward. So if you're here today and you happen to come forward it's not going out worldwide, okay? It's private. It's your time here. Yes, we can pray about it, but we're not broadcasting something like that everywhere. So I just wanted you to know that your privacy is, is important to us. One of the things I have learned is that you cannot make anyone do anything. I don't know if you guys have come to that conclusion yet or not, but it seems to be true. I've known this ever since I had kids. Does that ring a bell for you? I thought I could influence people. I thought I could convince them that uh, there are right things to do, that there are good things to do, and uh, you can talk them into it. Not a two-year-old. Uh, there are just times where you can't talk them into anything, and that's the way it is. We can make relationships, but we can't make relationships without someone's permission. We can try and do things, but you know what? We've got to have their permission before we're ever going to establish a relationship. We can put them on a pedestal. We can idolize them. We can look up to them for their, their looks, how they look in a mask, for their athletic ability, for their money, and we can look up to them, but it's still, you can't make them into something else. We can look up to Jesus and give Him a place of honor. 
And so we can look at him and respect him and lift him up. And we're able to put Jesus in that place. So yesterday was 4th of July. I hope everyone heard the war outside. I didn't see any fireworks, but I sure heard a lot of fireworks. I don't know where it was canceled, but it was not in my neighborhood because there was, there was explosions going off everywhere. Uh, harder to see, but uh, certainly they were around. And so on July 4th, we formed a new process. We decided we no longer wanted to have a king, and we formed a democracy. Actually, we used the process of democracy to form a republic, and so that's what we did. New presidents are now elected. You no longer have to assassinate someone to get a new leader, and so I want you to Realize that may be a much better process. It's much more peaceful, at least. Elections are better than assassinations. And so, democracy means you're accepting majority votes. Or republic means you're accepting what your representative has said to you. Well, that's a whole lot different than a monarchy. It's a whole lot different than having a king. And so, in democracy, we're going to accept whatever somebody has told us. Now, we can disagree with it. We can be vocal about it. We can say something. But ultimately, if we're going to live in this, then we are going to accept it. And we are going to be part of it. And we're going to say, okay, I will live within this. A monarchy is completely different. A monarchy is where... If you say something bad against the king, there are palace guards. They will come and take care of you. And you are not allowed to make any criticism. You are not allowed to say anything against it. And there are multiple examples as we look at either history or Old Testament, either one, where if you say something against the king, well, you're done. Uh, the king is going to take care of that situation. That's rebellion against the crown. And it is not tolerated at all. We want Jesus to be king. Does that set in with what your understanding is? He is the one who has all the say. It's, it's not a democracy. We're not trying to say let's all vote. We want Jesus to be king. His word is authoritative. His word is complete. He says what he wants and we follow him. But how do we make a king? How do we make Jesus to be king? And I think the way in which we would make Jesus to be king changes everything. Because that whole process of making him king is important. So the passage that Josiah has read to us today out of John 6 talks about the time when Jesus fed the 5,000 plus women and children, so maybe 15 or 20,000 people. It's a huge group of people. It's, it's so many people to be able to do this, and he has five loaves, and he has two fish, and what he's saying is Jesus could solve world hunger. 
he could take care of this. There are 12 baskets full of scraps left over. Now, if you think 12 baskets would be a lot, sounds like a lot if you're at my house and, you know, lunch is over and there's 12 baskets of scraps. That's a lot, okay? But among that many people, when you've got that many people out, it, that's probably not a whole lot. It's just to say everybody had a basket and, yeah, there was enough. There was enough for everyone to have some. And so they believed in Jesus. They believed he was the Messiah. They realized afterwards that, oh, this must be the Messiah. And so they looked at who he was and they decided, as it says in that last verse, they wanted to make him king by force, right? They were about to come and take him by force and make him king. Well, okay, how do you make someone king by force? Well, I guess you take him and tell him that he's going to be your king, that you're going to listen to him, that you're going to follow him, and that he's responsible for everything. They did understand Jesus. They did see his mission. They did feel like they wanted him to be king, and especially since he had fed so many hungry people. Because the relationship of them to the king then is, well, we will make you our king because you can provide for us, because you can bless us, because you can give to us. And so whenever you're able to do that, that's going to help us in all of these things. And that's what we really want is someone to give to us and provide for us and bless us. Have you ever heard the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? That doesn't seem to be with kings, but it really is. The crowd is demanding, going to take him by force and make him king. There are other times in history where this has happened. As we look at the crowd in the time of Jesus, you can see the Pharisees are very much afraid of the crowd. And so many times they won't even give the right answer. They won't really say what they think because the crowd, we're afraid of the crowd. We don't know what the crowd is going to say. It's the crowd that cries, crucify Jesus. It's the crowd that's given the choice, I should release a prisoner Jesus or Barabbas, and all of them cry, Barabbas, why? And Pilate will not go against the crowd. And so when it says they came to make Jesus king, the crowd is very powerful when they decide to be. That whole squeaky wheel thing, that just means whoever's going to yell the loudest and make the most commotion a lot of times gets their way. Well, is that the kind of kingdom we want? The kind of kingdom where all the people in it are the grouchiest, grumpiest people who are saying the most and forcing then Jesus to be king. Jesus, provide for us. Jesus, give us lunch. Why don't you do this for us, Jesus? We want you to be king over us so that you can give us lunch for the rest of our life. We're going to make you in that place. And so a lot of times that's what it means to make him king by force is by the demanding of the crowd. Well, I'm not sure that's the kind of kingdom we want. We're able to see that we choose God by whoever gives us the most, right? 
No. We want to choose God by the one who really is God, the one who's the best person. And a lot of idols were formed in order to make promises because the people were demanding out of this rock, you're going to be the one that blesses us. And so they're making that idol their God. Does that make sense? Not at all. But that's what they would do. They would make that idol into their God. And essentially they have power over their own king. They have power over their own God because they're going to say it that way. If you apply that down to a family situation, it's where the parents are the ones who are in charge, right? Until the kids start demanding. I don't have to be obedient to you. I'm only here for what I can get out of you. And so the child, when they get old enough, takes their money, takes their things, has complete disrespect for them, demands everything that they want. It starts when you're little, I want a pony. No, you don't understand, I'm going to have a pony, you have to get me a pony. Later on, it's a car, you have to get me a car, you have to, you have to. And it's all of this demanding is by force. Not a happy family. Not a good way to run them. And so, I don't know that a kingdom making Jesus king by force is really what we would want to be part of or anything that we would want to see. But a lot of times, I think people do that. I want to make you king by what blesses me the most. And that's no way to have a kingdom. Well, there's another passage where he is toward the end of his life in the last week, and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And he stages a parade. In John 12 and verse 12, it gives this account. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him and that had been done, and that had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Well, the Pharisees are afraid of that. The world has gone after him. And so it's this great popularity that Jesus has. Why is he king? Because everybody likes him, because he's healing, because he's doing all these great things. And so we can see the popularity of Jesus as he comes in. And wow, if you're in that spotlight, if you're the one that gets the most likes on your page or whatever it is, you, you, boy, you're the, you're the right one. And everybody looks at Jesus. They hear he's coming and he kind of stages this or helps this. He's the hero coming in. And so as he comes in riding on this colt, 
you're able to see the, the crowd that just goes crazy, waving the palm branches, putting coats on the road as he's able to ride in. They're going to make him king because he's the most popular, because he's the one that everyone looks up to. It's the hero's welcome. And Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He actually goes all the way into the temple, clears the temple, and sits down and teaches and, and heals people. But most of the people only showed up for the parade. They were there for Jesus coming in. Jesus is popular. We like Jesus. So let's decide, King, by who's the most popular. You know, the person that we like the best. The person who looks good in a mask. That's who we want, the person who's good. And so he does things that we like. He stands for things that we like. We're able to enjoy blessings he gives. He heals, he teaches, he gives food. He stands against Pharisees, so he has authority. We recognize he's able to do all this. Why don't we make him king? And all we have to do is show up for the parade, right? That's how we would make him king is because... You know, we can wave a palm branch and yell, Hosanna, this was great. Then we can go back home. Yeah, it's whoever's popular next week. Well, does that work? It's easy enough to see how social trends go and how different people will rise to the top. And some of them become very, very popular. And maybe for no reason other than the fact that they're popular. They get to the point of being famous because they're famous. I really don't quite understand that. They have no talent in anything, but they're just famous for being famous. And so I guess that really does take some kind of talent to get so many people to like you and to recognize who you are. And so this whole popularity thing is, is something that, that would be great, except for it doesn't last and it's not very long until his popularity goes away because he isn't always feeding the people. And it's a very different kind of parade. It's the parade that goes to a cross. And they decide they don't like him even if he can heal and even if he can give them bread and they see him as dangerous and they see him as a false teacher because the Pharisees have told them so. And that parade method doesn't make him a king for very long. And we even stop worshiping when he isn't popular, right? The more popular he is around and people talking about God and in that kind of setting, well, the more people will say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. And as soon as that kind of goes away, then how many are believing in God? It seems to be a whole lot less. We don't need to worship as much then. We don't need to listen to his teaching as much then. And so a lot of times we want the popular king. And we just want to make him king by going to the pep rally or the convention or whatever we say. Or maybe it's like a worship service. If we can make that like a convention, well then, boy, that'd be great because it's popular. But I think there's got to be more to it than that. Early in his ministry, Jesus called different disciples. And one of those disciples he called was Philip. Philip goes to find a friend of his named Nathaniel. And as Nathaniel 
argues with Philip about it. He doesn't see how possibly Jesus ever could be that. But in John chapter 1 and verse 46, it says, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So why does he call him king? Well, he calls him king because he believes in him. Well, why does he believe? Well, because Jesus tells him something personal. He says, I saw you. He says, well, how would you know? He says, no, I saw you under the fig tree. Okay, you saw. And then it gets a little bit spooky, doesn't it? You're, what, are you listening on my phone or something? Or is my camera on? Or, you know, we might think that today, but back in this time, he, he realizes Jesus is able to see much bigger than he ever imagined, much bigger than he ever thought. And so... Perhaps it's a miracle, perhaps it's a vision, but he believes, Jesus, you're the king of Israel. And because of that faith, he changes his mind. And there's a repentance of what he thought before, I'm not going to be like that. And so he acts different. He decides, I'm going to follow Jesus now. And his decision then to follow Jesus and to look like Jesus, they had been looking for the king anyway. And now he finds in an unexpected way, this has to be the king. He had looked at the scripture and had misconceptions. The king's supposed to come out of Bethlehem, not Nazareth. But here's Jesus. And so he follows Jesus. So how do you usually become king? Well, usually you become king by violence. Usually you're going to take over. Either you have a, enough of an army to be able to take over a country. It may be just an assassination, but you've still got to be able to take over the rest of the power and the people around. And so many times it's military. And many people thought that that's what Jesus had to do. After all, the Romans have captured him. There's no way for Jesus to come in and to be king without getting rid of Roman rule. And that is not what he's going to do. It's the only way that they would allow him to be king, is deliver their country from the Romans. And Jesus doesn't even have an army. But Jesus can do more with people who believe in him people who will live for him, people who will change their way, people who will adopt who he is, people that will then begin to act like him and take on the principles that he's teaching, people who repent of the past and be able to follow him. That seems to be much more powerful as a king. And Jesus has this love and compassion for the poor and for the needy, and he, he teaches to clear their confusion about life, and he calls disciples to follow him. And to be like him. 
Maybe the closest we get is looking at a family again. So how does a father take over a family? Well, you can kidnap them, right? Just go in and take them. Maybe you just kill the old father and move in. Maybe it's divorce. Sometimes that's not easy. Lots of difficulties and conflict from all sides. But you know, the most common way is you marry their mom. Or you marry your wife and she becomes a mom and the kids are born into the family and you make a family. Not a lot of violence. It's out of love, it's out of compassion, and as kids are born into that family, there's no real takeover, you're a father by birth. And what an easy natural process to look at this, because then the child grows up to be like the father, because the father has trained the child, here's what we do, here's the way in which we do it, here's how we go about it. And so we're able to see that, you know, that's got to be the easiest way. For a guy who loves intensely, he can teach his children how to do the same thing. And so it's not a takeover of, of another organization or another group. Or Jesus didn't become king of Judah or the Jews. It's more like this. He's the king of a family. So he's not politically king, but yes, he is king of the Jews and king of the Christians and king of every single person who's in the kingdom of God. He explains it to Nicodemus. Look at Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus is a ruler. How did he get to be a ruler? Well, I don't know that we have those details, but he's probably been appointed by someone in order to be one of the rulers of the Jews. And so he's confused about this. He says, we know you're a man from God. We look at the teaching that you have. We look at the miracles that you have. But it's not quite fitting. How are you going to be king? How is this ever going to fit? What's going to... And Jesus just cuts through everything and cuts right to the point. He says, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. All of Jesus' message and his ministry had been about the kingdom of God. He had been preaching about the kingdom of God. He had been preaching to make disciples repent, and the kingdom of God is at hand. But how can you have a kingdom without violence? It's called birth. You are born again into the kingdom of God. And he says you can't see Jesus as king, or you can't see his kingdom until you go through that. 
until you realize that. And Nicodemus is on the outside. He's going, but I don't understand. How can you be king if... How can birth happen unless, and you know, he comes up with this horrible idea of, you know, somehow mom and being born again, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's also not a military takeover. Is there anything more powerful than a family? When a child is born into that family... No king demanding ransom or taxes. But you're born into the kingdom with Jesus as king. You fit. You belong automatically. Even though there's going to be diapers to change and even though you're going to scream and holler, all they're going to do is feed you, change you, take care of you, and you're going to be very unhappy for a little while, especially when you're wet. They'll fix that. And they teach you and train you and you grow and you develop in this kingdom. And you can't keep the old self. When we come in, sometimes we want to hang on to our past and hang on to everything that we've been before. And he says, you can't keep your old self. You can't drag in past family skeletons. You can't drag in pain from your past or hurtful things that people have done. You start completely over as a new baby. Completely over. None of that stuff comes in. All of that's from long ago. All of that's from long before. And now... We were able to come in and be part of a new family, a new kingdom, become king like Jesus. And this is the critical part for us, that we be able to develop new. And Jesus says we die to that old self. We leave that old self so that we can be born, so that we can be new in a new kingdom of grace and redemption and love and compassion we're born of the water and the Spirit, the washing of the water that makes you clean, that takes away sin. We're baptized into Christ. That's what he's saying by all of this. But more than just being baptized in the Christ so that our sins are taken away is we accept the fact that we are a new person and that we are born new and we begin as a new child. And we are going to learn and we are going to take that attitude that we are not the ones who make the kingdom by force, that we are not the ones who are for the violent overthrow, and no matter how loud we scream, it's not going to bend to our will. Parents need to take care of that. Church needs to be able to know that Jesus is king over everything else. And so we're born of the water and the Spirit. And we know that we belong together. I saw this, let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. And so we make Jesus king. We make him king because we accept the role of being his child, not by our demands, not by blessing, not by gift, not by popularity, not by parade. We make him king of our life because we believe. And because we've been born again. We died of the past and we're born into his new kingdom. 
And I don't know where you are now if you seem to be fighting against all of this and fighting against everything. But let me assure you, Jesus is still king. It doesn't matter where viruses go. It doesn't matter who gets elected. Jesus isn't competing. He is still king. Please accept him as king of your life. Today, if there's anything we're able to do to help you with that, to make him king in your life, would you come while we stand and sing?